Well, it really is a privilege to be able to share God's Word uh, with you. Uh, every time I get to preach, I always consider it a great privilege. So, um, how many of you have found the last couple of years that you've had to fight for, for, fight for joy in your life? Anyone here? How many of you found the last couple of years absolutely amazing, and you've just sailed through them, and it's been, you know, lockdown wasn't a problem, and you didn't have any depression at any stage, and you just kind of sailed through the last two years? Anyone? Yeah. So there's a real sense that we've had to learn to fight for joy. And what I want to speak to you about this morning, I want to try and summarize the first couple of weeks that I spoke about God's Word. I want to speak about God's grace, and I want to help, help you to see that one of the most powerful weapons that you have in your life to fight for joy in your own life, day by day, moment by moment, is to learn to preach the gospel to yourself. All right? We have to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves, and I hope by the end of this, this morning that you will be encouraged to do that. It's a powerful weapon of grace in our lives. I've been reflecting a lot this last month in my own life on the grace of God. I'm so grateful to what God has done in my life, and it's a very powerful thing just to reflect on God's goodness and His kindness. Do you know that the Scripture says, even before you were born, even before the foundation of the world was even thought about, before God had ever done anything to create the universe, His heart was already towards you and His love was already towards you. His grace was already seeking you out before you were even thought about. That's what the Scripture says. Before the foundation of the, of the world was laid, God's heart was towards you. We, are, we, are, we have been in God's heart from before anything ever happened. That's an incredible thought to think about. Uh, Acts uh, 18, Romans 3, Ephesians 2, all remind us that we are called into spiritual life with God, and we are saved by grace. We have nothing to do with it. There's nothing good about us intrinsically. God has just set His heart upon us and chosen us and loved us, and He calls us and He saves us by His grace. And then there's this beautiful thing that grace doesn't just save us, it continues with us. Grace walks with us day by day. And I love in um, Acts, 14, uh, Acts 13, where as the ch early church is getting together, Paul and Barnabas send them out and commend them and say, he, the, they talk with them and urge them to continue in the grace of God. Even for the early church, they needed the grace of God day by day and moment by moment. And it's, and it's also... Uh, reminded to us that grace helps us to endure difficult things, as in the last couple of years. I want to remind you of uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How many of you felt weak in the last couple of years? Yeah. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses because Christ's power then rests on me. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's why I say life is a very interesting uh, journey, because in one sense you have to make every effort, and in another, hurt, in another sense you don't have to try very hard. You can rest in God's grace. It's this kind of thing that we live in as, as Christians. And then comes this amazing encouragement from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole of the Bible. It says this, Therefore, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Amen? 
confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace in our hour of need. Isn't that beautiful? Whenever you're feeling like you're under pressure and you can't cope and there's too much, you can go straight to the throne room of, of God and find grace for your life in that moment. And I want to encourage you. That's how I'm going to help you to learn to preach the gospel to yourself so you can find grace day by day and moment by moment. And then there's, of course, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 where Paul says to Timothy, he urges him uh, to, to continue and be strong in the grace of God. So even to this young man, there's a, this father speaking to this young man's life, and he says, the, the thing I want you to do most of all is to, to stand strong in the grace of God. That's what's going to give you power in your life. And uh, to Peter, we grow in grace and knowledge, etc., etc. Grace also enables us to make good, make good choices. Who wants to make good choices in their lives? Yeah, I want to make good choices that are going to be good now and 10 years down the line and before I go to be with Jesus. And uh, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians verse 5, 15, rather. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and it's His grace was not without effect. I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Again, it's this tension, isn't it? We're completely dependent on God's kindness and grace and His motivation, and yet at the same time, we work hard for the kingdom and do what God has called us to, to do. It enables us to make good choices, and it's such a gift to us. And so I just want to start by reflecting on that and, and encourage you that each of us this year to learn to make every effort to enter the rest of the grace of God that He has for you and I, and that we can grow in grace, that we can continue to love each other by grace, that we can see God do extraordinary things in the life of the church through ordinary means like fellowship, like prayer, like worship, like having coffee. God can do extraordinary things into all of our lives through those ordinary means that He gives us as we're just faithful in doing what He wants us to do. And so how does this all connect then with what I said about God's Word, and how does this connect with us learning to preach the gospel to ourselves? Well, remember I told you in the first couple of weeks that the very basic concept of the Scripture is that God speaks to us. He speaks through His Word, that He's trying to reveal Himself to us through His Word. He's trying to communicate who He is to us through His Word. I was thinking about it. Uh, this, this is, uh, you know, um, as you get to know someone, the central way that you get to know someone is that you spend time with them and they begin to talk to you. And as they talk to you, it reveals something of who they are. The more, the more you spend time with someone and you communicate with them, you begin to understand more and more of who that person is as they reveal themselves through the words and actions of their life. Isn't that right? And it's exactly the same with God. He's revealed Himself fully in His Word through the person of Jesus. And the more time that we spend in His Word getting to know Grace that has come to us, the Word made flesh, this is what the Bible says, the eternal God made flesh, as the more we get to know Him and, and spend time reading His Word, and by the power of the Spirit, we get to understand Him more and more as a friend and who He really is. That's how He reveals Himself to us, through His Word. And so, it's a very powerful thing. I, I always think of Hebrews 1.3. It says, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. Isn't that an amazing thought? The, the, the glory of God is fully revealed in the Son, and He's the exact representation of His being. And so when we look at Jesus, we're getting the full picture of who God the Father is. 
Second thing I try to show you is that God's word is powerful. And when he speaks, things happen. And so in the Old Testament, the pattern is, as soon as you hear the phrase, the word of God came to Elijah, or the word of God came to Jeremiah, or the word of God came to Samson, it means God is about to do something in history. It's his way of saying, I'm about to move. This is my action in history. And so I pointed you to Genesis chapter 1, where it says simply that God spoke and the world was created by his word. By him speaking, there's a powerful action that happens when God simply speaks, things happen. That's the pattern of the Old Testament. And it's the same in the New Testament. Even the, the, the being born again, even the new birth begins with God speaking. This is what it says, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. God said, for the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge so that God's glory can be displayed in the face of Christ. God initiates everything by speaking, and he wants to continue to speak to us in his word and through his word. And then the third thing I asked us to consider was this, is that Jesus is grace come to us. Jesus is the fullness of the word. Jesus is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He's the complete Full revelation of God in the Scripture. Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. And then I focused in on John. Remember John chapter 1, which uses these phrases over and over, and over, uh, over, and over again, speaks of Jesus as the Word, that Old Testament picture, the Word of God. Jesus is the fullness of the Word of God, and it uses language like the Word made flesh. It uses language like this, that God has made fully and finally known Himself in the person of Jesus. And so I was trying to encourage you that when Jesus says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He actually means it. <laughs> he's being plain. He's not, trying to be, he's not trying to be kind of like, like super spiritual and like we have to f search for some deep meaning. in what. No, he's just saying, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am fully God. Look to me and you'll see exactly who God is. And that's what he reminds Philip. Remember in John 14? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and he's in me? Jesus is saying it's enough to see me and know the fullness of God. And that's why we can trust the Word of God, because Jesus is the fullness of the Word of God. That's why you can trust the Word of God for your life, because the Word of God is grace, who was with God before the creation of the world. It is grace come in the form of a human being, grace incarnate, grace come to us. And we need the grace of God in our lives day by day and moment by moment. And so... That's what Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. The grace of God could have used, uh, Paul could have used, Jesus has appeared. He could have used, God the Father has appeared in His Son, but he says grace has appeared. All the same thing. The fullness of grace has come in the person of Jesus and offers salvation to all people. And the grace of God, Jesus, teaches us 
to say no to ungodliness. Isn't that amazing? Uh, often people think, you know, that when you preach grace, people are going to bad beha- behave badly, and they're going to kind of sin. And all that. that's why people don't want to t- teach about the incredible grace of God that is lavished on our lives, that frees us from sin. The first thing that grace God, the grace of God does in our lives, it helps us to see what is the thing to say yes to, and it helps us to see what the thing is to say no to. Grace helps you to say no as well as yes. Amen. Helps you say no to everything that's ungodly, no to sin, no to unrighteousness. It's the grace of God that helps you to say that, and it's also the grace of God that says yes to the right things. I want to preach the grace of God. Why? Because I'm convinced the more people understand the fullness of the grace of the God in their lives, they'll want to love God, they'll want to love Him, they want to say no to all unrighteousness, and they'll want to plow into His purposes for, for their lives. It's the grace of God that does it. Not me whipping you, not me saying try harder, not my, me saying be more religious, pray more, read your Bible. Is that going to do anything? Zip. Nada. The only thing that's going to motivate us to do those things is an overwhelming sense of how good God has been to us and His kindness and His grace in our lives, and we say yes to those things. That's good news. There's no whip on your back. It's just Jesus motivating you from the inside, saying, my son, I love you. Come. My daughter, I love you. Come. Walk with me by grace. How then can we access this grace when... <laughs> when Jesus is in heaven, okay, and he's left his Holy Spirit to us, and that's true. What does Paul says? Well, it's interesting just to, again to, to look at um, how often this word is used in the New Testament, the Word of God. And I've lost my notes. I got so excited. Where am I? Uh, yeah. Um. In the New Testament, when, when the, word, the Word of God is used, it, it most, most often refers to the message of the gospel or the message of Jesus. And so it's interesting when you read Colossians 3.16, it says this, and you can see how different translations translate the same passage. It says, the NIV says, Let the message of God, of Christ, dwell amongst you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other translations, like the ESV, it says, let the Word of God dwell amongst you richly as you teach each other. So here again, these things are interchangeable. And for Paul, the Word of God, preaching Christ, proclaiming Christ, speaking the Word are all synonymous. They're all the same thing. So in Philippians 1, he says this, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Others do it out of goodwill. The latter do this out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. But the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? Isn't that incredible? I mean, I think I would have a different reaction if some people were opposing me. Paul says, what does it matter? Jesus has been glorified. It's okay. I'm in jail. They're free. They're preaching the good news. That's good enough for me, (laughs) says Paul. They're showing people who Jesus is. And so... Um, his, he, he says, my mission, Paul, my mission is to testify to the gospel of gr- the grace of God and to preach the word of his grace, Acts 20, verse 32. And so this word bears fruit in our lives, and, and that is what we um, are aiming to see through our lives as the gospel continues to bear fruit. And then lastly, Ephesians 1 says this, 
verse 13, for you that were included in Christ, when you heard this message of truth, the gospel, when you believed, you were marked with him by a seal of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So I put it to you this morning, my main contention this morning is that every one of us that is saved by grace and learning to walk by the Holy Spirit and wanting to embrace the Word of God in our lives, we can learn to fight for joy in our lives day by day and moment by moment with this powerful and simple weapon in our hands that we learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. When we hear the Word, the message, the Word of God that comes to us, the first person that it needs to impact is me. When I hear God speaking, it needs to change me. When you hear God speaking to you, it needs to change you. And as this message goes from mouth to mouth and person to person and nation to nation, we want to keep it pure. We want to keep it undiluted. We want to keep it, keep it fresh. And how do we do that? We do that through being, becoming people of God's Word, of knowing the Word of God for ourselves. It's the primary way that God speaks and reveals Himself to us. Is worship great? Of course it is. Is prayer good? Yes, it is. Is fellowship good? Absolutely. Is breaking of bread wonderful? Absolutely. These are all grace, means of grace in our lives. But the primary way that God reveals Himself and speaks and continue to, continues to speak is through His Word to you and to me. And so my encouragement this morning for all of us in the first week of February or whatever it is, I want to encourage you this morning to find this rhythm in your life and place this foundation rock into your life this year, that you find a rhythm that helps you revolve around having God's incarnate Word, His Son, grace come to us, preached into your life regularly through God's written Word. That's what I'm trying to encourage you in. And there's countless creative ways. What the internet has done for us now, there are creative ways that you can find for God to speak His Word into you day by day. You can read through the Bible in a year with many different apps. You can try to memorize passages. We were listening to a little clip that someone sent us about this Chinese, uh, this person who went to China and met with some underground churches, and she was reading out of 2 Peter, and she had a couple of New Testaments which she gave out to the people, and um, one of the ladies just passed it on to someone else. And as she, as she started reading this portion out of 2 Peter, she saw that the woman was reciting it. She had to memorize this whole portion of 2 Peter. So she went to her afterwards. She said, um, well, well, how, did, how, do you, how, how did you memorize the scripture? Uh, she said, well, when I was in jail, I was put in jail for being Christian. So I was put in jail, and when I was in jail, people would smuggle in little pieces of paper with scriptures written on them. And so I would memorize them, and as soon as I'd memorized it, I'd throw it away because people can't take away what is in your heart. Isn't that true? What is in your heart? What are you putting into your heart in a regular way, into your soul? You can listen to sermon podcasts. You can read, the, listen to the Bible online. David Suchet, Mr. Poirot. You know Mr. Poirot? He, he's done this beautiful reading of the Bible that you can just listen to on the train, in your car, if you're someone who doesn't like to read. Get the Word of God into your heart somehow. I'm not telling you how to do it, but do it. Get some kind of rhythm in your life. And so the underlying principle of all of that is the fundamental means that God gives us grace for day by day and moment by moment is through His Spirit, 
in the energy of the Christian life comes through the power of God in His Word that He reveals to us as we make it part of our lives. That's the fundamental thing I'm trying to encourage you in this morning. Soak yourself in His voice. Get to this year. Find a fresh way of getting God's Word into your heart in a, in a routine that is, works for you. And finally, I just want to circle back onto this thing of what I mean by pre preaching the gospel to yourself. Um, often, you know, I found in my life, I don't know about you, but often my responses to living life in this world that is fallen often seems to disconnect from the theology that I understand and I confess. And so what I mean is that sometimes anger, panic, <laughs> you know, the, the news, it, it, it makes you panic, doesn't it? There's always some, like, headline that's, like, you need to be concerned about this. I'm sure that the news does a lot for our mental health that is not positive. And I, I'm not against the news. But be careful how much stuff you take in. Because it's always bad news, eh? <laughs> what does that do? It just makes you feel anxious. I'm not surprised people are feeling depressed and anxious. There's all this stuff permeating all the time. So there's panic, there's discouragement, there's impatience that stalks our hearts. And it tries to get us to live out something different to the gospel that we say we believe. And so this is the battle. The battleground is between your ears. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. So I want to encourage you and say, what is capturing your thoughts right now, even as I'm speaking? What is capturing your thoughts? Is it fear and frustration? Uh, do those things fill your spare moments when you're alone in your quiet place? Who are you listening to? Uh, are you going to just listen to your own self-talk, or are you going to let the gospel transform how you think and not let the concerns of the world shape how you respond, but you form how you respond by the power of the gospel in your life? I'm trying to encourage you to do that. Shape how you respond to the world through the power of the gospel. And so I want to say it's proactive and it's also reactive, and this is what I mean. Whenever we encounter temptation or we encounter frustration and or we reflect on things that we've done in our lives that have been disastrous, the older I get, sometimes I, I, I wake up in the night and I remember something I did when I was 20. And it's like, well, where did that come from? It's like, but it's because there's this subconscious thing where you feel guilty about stuff that you did. And it's in that moment you need to apply the gospel in your life and say, no, my sins have gone. I'm a new creation in Christ. Isn't it true? As far as the east is from the west, that stuff is gone, and I'm a new creation in Christ. That's how you apply the gospel in that moment. You don't give in to the temptation of feeling depressed or feeling lacking joy. I, I, I'm preaching to myself right now because I haven't got this perfect. My wife can tell you that. All right? So I get down. I get depressed. But I'm learning. You've got to take hold of yourself and preach the gospel to yourself. And it's proactive at the same time. We, what I'm trying to say to you is get into a routine of feeding your soul with the gospel before the trial comes. Before the terrible thing happens during the week. Get yourself prepared by feeding the gospel to yourself. By encouraging your own soul. So when the challenge comes, you're up to it. And you can say, my... Jesus' grace is sufficient for me in this moment, and I can get through this. Amen. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying there's a difference between reminding yourself of truth and reminding yourself of the truth. <laughs> two plus two equals four. That's true. Always has been. The world is 
round. It is not flat. Okay, it has always been round. Despite what the conspiracy theorists will tell us at this time, the world is not flat. It is round. Someone said to Clive once, I can prove to you that uh, the world is flat. Sorry, am I being naughty now? Oh, it wasn't a South African. I'm just doing that because that's who I am. <laughs> he said, this person said, get into an airplane and put a spirit level on the plane and you'll see that it never moves. It's always in the same place. The little bubble. Always move, it's always in the same place. It proves the earth is flat. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves of the truth that certain things are true, but that does, not stir, that does not stir your soul, does it? It doesn't necessarily encourage your soul. So what I'm saying is what encourages the soul is the truth of the gospel. And what preaching the gospel to ourselves requires is that you need to, all of us need to pause, reflect, rehearse on the goodness of God in our lives, of his, the love of His Son in our lives, and how that rescues us, how that gives us joy, and that we consciously let that shape our reality of how we see the world. And I'm trying to make it clear by my words. Is it getting clear, or am I just making it worse? And so I'm not saying that reading the Bible is going to do that for you. But what reading the Bible does is gives you the material with which you can do that yourself. Do you get it? And this is what I mean. So when I feel anxious about some new thing that I have to do, and I feel, start feeling joyless. So, for example, when we are thinking about the building project or when I have an important meeting with someone and I'm feeling a little bit anxious about it, I remind myself of this, Isaiah 41.10, and I preach it to myself. Fear not, I am with you. Come on, this is good news. This is what all of us have to learn to do when we're feeling anxious about that, that uh, assignment that we have to get in, about the master's uh, dissertation that we have to put in. Fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I'm your God. I will strengthen you, I'll help you. You've got to preach it to yourself. It can't just remain truth on the page. It must be appropriated into your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit to make it real, that you start to feel joy. Come on. Uh, and secondly, when I'm feeling discouraged about perhaps our ministry is not being effective or that I'm going to mess things up, I fight joylessness with this scripture, and this has been an amazing scripture that I've quoted often. Isaiah 55. Do you remember what it says in verse 10? For the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So it is with my word. Come on, preach it to yourself. Whatever God has spoken over your life, whatever He's rooted in your heart, His Word, it says of this, so it is the Word that goes out from my mouth. It won't return to me empty, but it will accomplish all that I've sent it to do. When I feel discouraged, I remind myself, Isaiah 55, what God has begun, what He's sown in my heart is going to produce fruit. It's going to be, His promise is it will not return without bearing fruit. And it's the same for you. Amen? Get a little bit Pentecostal now, we can say amen, all right? What about when you're feeling anxious or, or weak that you can't get the work done that you need to do? Anyone feel like that? Yes? Often I feel like that. It's just too much. Always someone else who needs to be helped. 
It can be exhausting. And what does the Scripture say to me? I have to preach this to myself. My grace is sufficient for you, and because my power is made sufficient, uh, is made perfect in your weakness. Yes? And same for you. Whether you're a dentist or a fireman or a, a fire, uh, whatever you are, fire consultant or teacher or a student, when it all seems too much and you think, I just can't do this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. What about being anxious about making the right decisions? Anyone feel like that? Am I going to, well, I sow today in this decision I make, what fruit is it going to bear down the road? Well, what does God say about that? I will instruct you. Psalm 32 verse 8, I will instruct you and I will teach you the way that you should go. I will counsel you. Isn't that an amazing thought? God, the eternal God, counsels you and counsels me. And he says, my eye is on you. Come on. I mean, that's inspiring enough. When you're feeling anxious about making decisions of what do I do or where do I go or where do I live or what job do I do, ask the Lord. He'll speak to you and he says, my eye is on you. I will counsel you. I will give you good advice if you'll just hear from me. If you're visiting this morning, uh, I hope you're not um, overwhelmed by my loudness, all right? What about, um, what about I'm, fi I'm finishing. What about the, when I'm concerned about the health of my family or the future of my family and those that I love? In my extended family, what is God's promise? God's promise, and this is what I, we have to fight with in our own lives. Fight for joy with this. What does the Scripture say in Matthew 7, 11? If an evil father on earth knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will not the Father who is in heaven give good gifts to anyone who asks him? Come on. Anyone who asks him. If you want to know the good gifts of Father, of father in heaven, all you need to do is ask and his promise to you is, I will give you all that you need, every good gift that you need for your life and for your family and for your future. That is preaching the gospel to yourself. That's not just letting the words be on the page. It's appropriating by the power of the Spirit, letting them fall from your head into your heart and believing by faith and stirring yourself for the future. Amen. What about um, when you're fighting for peace? When you think about I don't know, maybe it's because uh, I'm getting older now. When you, re you reflect back on your life and you think of the choices you've made that have made you, put you in this place right now, and you, it can sometimes unsettle you. You think, okay, well, have I done the right thing? And here's the promise of God that I comfort myself with from Mark chapter 10. I want to encourage you with this as well. Jesus says, Whoever has left a house or brother or sister or mother or father or their land for the sake of Jesus will receive now in this life, in this time, Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, land with persecution. <laughs> Isn't that also a little bit like Jesus? It just makes us keep it, our feet on the ground and in the age to come and in the life eternal. You'd lose nothing by serving the kingdom in terms of what God has for you. Isn't that beautiful? Promises to us. Anyone who serves with has left things behind, God is faithful for the future. What about getting old? <laughs> Anyone get anxious about getting older? When your body, I mean, I was carrying stuff and up, up and down the stairs clearing so the guys could stop with, the, uh, with the, the renovation. And my knees just like have felt not the same ever since I did that. I'm like getting old. They're like sore all the time. 
just because I carried some boxes up and down the stairs a couple of times. I'm like, what's going on? Well, it's because I'm getting older. So sometimes that can cause us to be anxious. What is um, Romans 14? Beautiful promise for everyone. It says this in verse 7. For none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Beautiful. We are the Lord's. For this end, to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. So my friends, I've done my best this morning to try and encourage you at the beginning of this year. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Find some rhythm in your life where you can get His Word into your heart. And don't just leave it intellectually in your head. By the power of the Spirit, apply it and learn to preach to yourself when you're feeling joyless, when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling anxious. I'm, I'm encouraging myself to do the same thing. I'm not preaching at you. I'm trying to encourage you with myself. In those moments that we learn in that moment to say no, to take hold, to preach the gospel to ourselves, the message of freedom and grace and forgiveness to ourselves, that we can find grace in our time of need, that we can find joy in our time of need. Amen.